And welcome to the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast with your hosts, Jacob Smedley, Sam Betts, Justin Reedhammer, Peter Amarante, and Nathan Romanoff. With today's special guest, Cam Whitney. Today, our topics will include a recap of the MLB offseason trades and free agent signings and a division recap, with starting with the AFC South and finishing off with intriguing college basketball. Now, here's Sam Betts with his interpretation of the MLB offseason trades, big free agent signings. And, Jake, I'll tell you what, the MLB offseason has been really big. It, there have been so many moves, so many trades, so many signings everywhere. Why don't we start off with one? We'll start off with a small one. We have the Orioles trading Jonathan VR to the Marlins um, for Easton Lucas, who's a minor league left-handed pitcher. So the Orioles are trying to uh, clear out some cap space as well. Um, VR was a very good player for him last year. I mean, on that the the team, the Orioles, one of the worst teams in the league. He did put 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 up some good numbers. He did, and I think they just are trying to do something new. They just want to clear out some space. They don't want to pay him which is the problem, so he's got to go to a little bit of a bigger mar market in uh, Miami, and we'll see how he fares there. Um, we'll go to another Orioles trade. Uh, the Orioles trade Dylan Bundy for four minor league right-handed pitchers. Four minor league right-handed pitchers for Dylan Bundy really seems like a lot, but now he goes to maybe a winning team, a brand new environment, maybe can flourish in Los Angeles. I know you're going to get to the other big acquisition for the uh, Angels with Anthony Rendon. You get to that, but he can. I mean, the the rotation still is is a bit all over the place, but I think he can definitely help. Four minor leaguers, though that that seems like a bit much. That is, and I think the Orioles are just trying to rebuild through the minor leagues is what their process is going to be. They're obviously in a rebuilding stage after losing around 100 games. Mm -hmm. So I think they're just going to try to build through the minor leagues and see how that turns out for them. Um, why don't we go to another one? We have the Padres, who traded Hunter Renfro and 72nd-ranked prospect Xavier Edwards to the Rays for Tommy Pham and two-way um, infielding and pitching prospect Jake Cronworth. Well, I, I think that the the Rays, I, I know everyone thinks the Padres, oh, they got Tommy Pham, but I think Tunner Renfro is going to do a great job in that lineup and fill the same role that uh, 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 Aviciel Garcia played last year for the Rays, be able to be that power-hitting right-handed bat in that lineup that I don't know if Tommy Pham fully did it justice last year. Maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the... the, the I know, and a lot, of people, a lot of people question that when they looked at this trade. Why would you trade Tommy Pham? But I think the Rays are just trying to get another power bat. I mean, they went to the playoffs um, last year, and I think they're just trying to look to win, and I think... They feel like Hunter Renfro is going to do that for them. Let's go to, all right, this is a little bit of a bigger trade. The Rangers trading Delano DeShields Jr. and Emmanuel Class for the, uh, to the Indians for Corey Kluber. I think that that was a definite win by the Texas Rangers. Oh, definitely. They're in a win-now win mode. They're trying to climb their spot in that division there. And definitely trading two guys who 
the potential isn't exactly top notch. They're not yeah. top 100 prospects. Yeah. And to get an ace, Koi Klubu, yes, he was injured last season, but the past four or five years, one of the most dominant pitchers in the game. And I can definitely agree with that. Corey Kluber, uh, Cy Young winner especially, so I think the Rangers are trying to win after they've struggled for years in the playoffs. Going to the World Series at one point, just trying to be in the divisional kind of contention there, and they just... They need the push, and I think Corey Kluber and some of the other acquisitions they've acquired um, are going to help them in that Kyle phase. Gibson, Jordan Lyles, building up that rotation definitely. around Mike that's Miner they, and Lance that's Lynn. That's what they need to do. That's what they definitely need to do. You need to have a decent rotation if you want to get anywhere in baseball, especially with um, the MLB baseball is possibly being speaking, speaking about great rotations, what about the New York Yankees? Garrett Cole, the biggest free agent in the game this year, signing oh, with yes. the Yankees. Nine years, $324 million. Yeah, that, that's, that's, insane. that's insane. That's big money. But, but he is, in my opinion, the best pitcher in baseball. And right now, really puts the Yankees in. They're, they're, they're the team to beat. They're they at the are. top of they're the league. They have a very good chance of going to the World Series this year for the AL. But the, in the NL, there was also a really big pitching signing as well for the Washington Nationals as... They signed uh, Steven Strasburg to an extension for seven years, $220 million. He definitely deserves it, and what he did in the playoffs and in that World Series really... I mean, it was phenomenal. Yeah. That team played really well against the Astros. Exactly, yeah, and he definitely deserves that money and will put that, that team really in the same position, I think, to compete for a division and for the playoffs moving forward. Um, I, there's something else I want to talk about here. Um, there's been a couple teams who have been signing um, Asian baseball players from uh, the Japanese and Korean baseball leagues. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. We have uh, Yoshi, Yoshitomo uh, Taguchi, um, who signed with the Rays. Um, we have Kwang Hun Kim, who signed with the Cardinals from the KBO uh, Korean baseball league. We have uh, Shun Yamaguchi who signed with the Blue Jays from the NBP Japanese Leagues. And we also have um, Shogo Akiyama, who signed with the Reds from the N NBP as well. So um, these guys are all in their 30s. I mean, they're not young, but they still have a lot of talent. Do you yeah. Think? And I also just think the MLB is trying to... Um, teams are trying to expand to, like, different areas of the world. So, like, you know, um, the MLB is... A lot of players come from, like, the Dominican Republic, Cuba, you always hear. Um, but you don't really hear a lot about the, like, um, Asian side, like, especially from... But, like, in those places, like, in Korea and Jap in Japan, there are a lot of good baseball players there. So I think um, MLB teams are finally seeing that talent and are trying to bring those players over to America. So, yeah. Sam, how much of an impact do you think these players will make in the MLB Oh, I think they'll have like a really I think they'll have a really big impact. A lot of these guys were considered like stars or legends even in um their respective leagues. So I think it'll have a big impact and I think it'll make the game a little bit more interesting. To see. But do you think it's going to take a lot of a time to adjust between their old league and then MLB kind of standards or do you think that they will be able to easily adjust? Um you know, the way that fans view baseball in, um, like, Asian culture is, is they're re they get really into it. You'll see, um, they have, like, chants, and they'll be, like, 
they'll be screaming, they'll all like come together collectively. You don't really see that in American baseball too much. So I think it will be kind of a little bit different for them, for these players when they play, but I think it'll also be um, a bit interesting, and I think they'll make the game a lot better too. That's great, Sam. Well, looks like it's time to move on to our next topic. Here is Justin Reedhammer with a recap of the AFC South Division, starting a new series here on the podcast. Thank you, Jacob. As always, Sam, that uh, MLB talk is very interesting. Now, let's move on to the NFL <laughs> topic for today. So, we're going to recap the AFC South Division for the 2019 season. So... We're going to start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had a 6-10 and record this year. Uh, it's uh, It was more of a rebuilding year for them, obviously. They got a new quarterback. Gardner Minshew. Yeah. He, he played well in his, in his short time. Gardner Minshew, he did very well. He completed 60% of his passes, uh, 3,271 passing yards, uh, 21 touchdowns, just 6 interceptions. You know, uh, he, did, he played very well, I think. Especially for a rookie, I think uh, you know, he really deserved like any accolades that he got. He was... He played phenomenally for them when he had to step up. Because you know that they had uh, Nick Foles in there Nick at Foles, first, but then yeah. he got hurt, and then you know, Gardner Minshew just steps Season up. Season-ending shoulder yeah. injuries. Gardner Minshew steps up, and he just he plays, man. He played well. Uh, he, he, he kept this team afloat for a little bit, and then they went on quite a losing streak and ended up losing their chance to go to the playoffs. But uh, overall, they had an okay rebuilding year, I think. And I think next year, the it's looking bright for them, you know. Uh, overall, their offense, uh, they weren't, you know, part of the cream of the crop in the NFL in a, as a whole. They were 26th in points per game, 20th in yards per game. They were, uh, you know, just 26th overall. It was, they just didn't yeah. have a good year offensively. I think I think they need to build around Gardner Minshew. I don't know about you guys, but I think that's what they need to do offensively. Really I, I build think so too. and yeah. give him some more... Uh, maybe if it's through the draft or a free agent acquisition. Yeah, they need they need more receivers. So. Obvious, honestly, they 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 do need more receivers on their line. And uh, defensively, they actually uh, didn't do very well either. They were 29th in total defense. That's just. Yeah, I remember their defense a few years ago. It was unstoppable. And now, I mean, Ram- Ramsey's gone. A bunch of their top guys from that year are gone. It's it's really sad to see where it all went away. Honestly, I think uh, my suggestion for them would be to build through the draft uh, in their offense and build through free agency their defense. That's what I think would be their best choice. All right, and then moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they had a 7-9 and nine record, so a little bit better. But they had a surprising year this year. They had a lot of good changes, a lot of edits that they made to their yeah. team and with yeah. the loss of Andrew Luck. Yeah, Andrew Luck going yeah. out like that. No one saw that. I think that was, okay, do you think that was a positive or a negative for the Colts? Well, well, obviously, obviously it's a negative. Yeah, it's a negative because he had a good year last year. He did. When he went to yeah, the playoffs, he, was he had a good year. It was a negative, but I yeah. got to give Jacoby Brissett a lot yeah, of credit. He deserves this guy to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he Jacoby Brissett, he played well. 68.9% of his passes, 2,942 uh, yards, 18 touchdowns, just six interceptions again. Very well. Played very good game uh, all throughout the year. He, uh... He led that team when really nobody expected him to. Like he really stepped up when he had to be the quarterback. Uh, it was just it was, he played really well. Uh, overall, the team played you know good through a lot of their games. However, they ended up not making the playoffs. Uh, their offense kind of could be to blame for that. As uh, well, Tyvon Hilton. Yeah, he didn't play the year that everybody expected of him. Uh, the leading receiver actually ended up being Zach Pascal this year. 
Um, Zach Pat, he was one of those yeah. guys that really came onto the scene and played well in, in, in meaningful games for them in the middle of the season. Yeah, he really did. Uh, but offensively, they didn't play their best. Uh, you know, they were 16th points per game. Yards per game, they were 25th. Overall, they were just, they were 25th. It wasn't, it wasn't good for them. However, the defense remains, like, kind of okay this year. They were 16th in total defense, which is... Middle of the pack. Yeah, you know? middle of the pack. It's, it's not great, but it's okay. You Darius know? Leonard, that, that middle linebacker for the Colts, he is a, he's going to be a very good player and be in the, I think, top 10 in, in tackles for years to come. I would have he's to agree very, with that. Yeah, Jake, you, yeah. Have, you brought up a good point there. I think that for next season, honestly, for them to improve, uh, to maybe even make the playoffs next year, they really need to improve on offense through through the draft and through free agency in the offense. Now, now I've been hearing some rumors, guys. Justin Herbert, quarterback for the Oregon Ducks. Could That's the Colts trade yeah. up? That's my guy. Could they trade up and take him and be he, the end for Jacoby He is Brissette? a terrific quarterback. In college, amazing stats. He won the Rose Bowl with Oregon in a thriller against Wisconsin. He's a great passer. He can scramble with the ball. He's big, physical, 6'5 guy. You know, I think it'd be a smart move for them. I just don't know if there's there's other teams I feel like that need a quarterback more than the Colts. Because okay, Jacoby Brissett, yeah. you know, he was all right. And I feel like they can stick with him and still make the playoffs in their division. And we just see another, yeah. another uh, former Patriots backup True. get it done. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they, could, they could pull that. Pull yeah, that I, I could see that happen. Although Jimmy, like, Jimmy Gino in the Super Bowl, he proved himself to be a viable quarterback with a great he – he had a lot of help on offense. I'll, I'll give the offense that. He's not the perfect quarterback. But he did a lot of hard work this season, and he proved that backups under Brady under that corporation have potential, as a lot of backups do. Yeah, I think that, honestly, if they can improve their offensive weapons, you know, especially in the wide receiver uh, perspective, I think that they can, you know, make the playoffs next year, legitimately. All right, and then moving on to the Tennessee Titans. Who were nine and seven in the regular season? They, the underdog. I would uh, say the underdog of this season. Yeah, the underdog were, that no yeah. one saw coming for this season. I did not. They see were unexpected, coming. especially very, like, in very. the in the regular season. They were okay, nine and seven, like I said. But in the playoffs, that's really where the magic turned on. When Ryan Tannehill just went off, he won two games against two hard teams to beat in their territory too. But Justin, but you have for, to remember, yeah. it wasn't only Ryan Tannehill. Derek well, yes, Henry for sure. Henry, his strength. It really wasn't Ryan Tannehill, as yeah. we said. Derrick Henry yeah. was the lead horse there. However, yeah. Ryan Tannehill had a good year. He, he was didn't. the comeback player of the year. He did. Mm-hmm. He had 70.3% of his passes uh, completed, 2,742 yards, 22 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. You know, that's a good record. Now, he's, he's pretty good. Henry or Mariota, who fits in better with Tennessee? You mean Tannehill or Mariota? Yeah, Tannehill or Mariota. As a quarterback, who fits in better with Tannehill? Tannehill. 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 You've yes. got to go with because of his regular yeah. season success and postseason success. He, he did the play-action pass very well this year. I think that's really what led them to victory in those very two effective. playoff games, yes. Uh, Especially with their run being as strong as it was. Then you catch teams off balance with a play-action pass, and he proved himself this year. He really did. Yeah, I think offensively, this team was you know pretty good. They were 10th uh, in points per game. Uh, yards per game, they were 12th, and they were 12th overall. So, I mean, they had a good offensive year. I think that if they can keep their offensive weapons and, you know, keep yeah. their scheme. That's what I was just going to bring up. Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry are free agents this year. They're gonna, the money is in the bank, I'm going to say. They're going to have to give these guys a lot of money to be yeah. able to stay in Tennessee yeah. and yeah. try and run it back. But even yeah. though they had a good offense, their defense was so much better. They were ranked third in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, I think that... Honestly, if you have to, 
uh, if you ask me, their off-season moves, they have to... Mm, they have to make more weapons on offense, obviously. I think that they need to add more weapons to the draft and offense. And for free agency, they don't need free agents. They just need to re-sign the guys that they already have. Yeah. So what would your top draft priorities be? My draft priorities for the Tennessee Titans would be uh, offensive linemen and wide receivers. How about you, Jake? I would, I would say, I would switch it up a little bit. I would say a bit on the defense, defensive side. I would look, look more maybe to a defensive end. You have a lot of aging guys like Joel Casey on that defensive line. Maybe snag a dominant force there or try and get build up the defense a bit more as well. Cam, you have any input on this? What would you do if you were the Tennessee Titans? Draft wise, have any pos positions you think they need to upgrade? Down. I mean, maybe from defensive side, maybe their corners. You know, maybe get a Corner, pick that up, you know, because they already have a good offense, you know. But you, know, you can always stack on that defense and get a corner. Nate, what would yeah, you? Yeah, again, I think their offense is fine where they are. You just keep Tannehill, keep Henry, and I'd say try and improve the defense as much as you can. They're already a top three defense. They are. Try and make them the best in the league, and I think you have a serious contender. I would have to agree. I would do kind of a balance of draft. I would do a little bit of defensive. I would push towards more the defensive. Because, like Jake said, this older guy is getting on that defense. But, like you said, they're a top three defense, which is really good for defenses. I would go more offensive for, like, receivers or linemen, like Justin said. Because I think they don't need to worry about any kind of run game. They don't need to worry about a quarterback because Ryan Tannehill's got a lot of potential. As long as they resign him. They need to resign him, though. Yes. They can't worry about finding a new quarterback and finding better players in the draft. That's just not going to work for them. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, moving on to the Houston Texans, who won the division with a 10-6 and record. Won the divisional round, yes, uh, in the playoffs. But they ended up losing then the next week to the Kansas City Chiefs, who won they the Super Bowl. After so. being up 24 nothing. Yeah. on them. Well, really. They blew have, the game. In all reality, they blew the game. The only way you can win against the Chiefs is when you're up 52 to nothing. Really. No, I see that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about see, that. Yes, the we'll Chiefs are made out to be this superpower. They're really not. If you have the defense enough to close the gap for for Patrick Mahomes to make him throw wild throws or dangerous passes, like if you put enough pressure on him, but you also make sure he can't scramble, that stops three quarters of his game. I'm gonna say they're still a tough team to beat, though. Uh, we're gonna go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but they're still a tough team to beat because their offense, while they're very good, you need a good defense to stop them. But you also need a good offense to take on their defense. Their defense is good. And so there's very few teams that have a good enough defense to hold in the low enough points and a good enough offense to be able to score enough points to be able to But win. their defense doesn't do as much of the impact as their offense does. They still do quite a bit, though. And that's why I have to say that you have to, you know, have the best of both worlds, which no team in the NFL really did have this year. And then uh, we'll just quickly go through and say that the... The Houston Texans, their offense, they played well this year. You know, 14th in points per game. Deshaun Watson had a good year. Had a good great year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great they, year. Yeah. They had the 13th total offense, and uh, that was really what carried them through the year because their defense wasn't great. It was 28th altogether. So they they really need to improve defensively this year. Yeah. And I'd have to say that they had to improve their offensive line, too, because they. Yeah. Deshaun Watson absorbed sacks like. He had a lot of wild else. passes when he was under pressure. Like you said, he had to absorb a lot of blows because the offensive line was kind of slacking off. Mm -hmm. But their defense, like, I mean, J.J. Watt did a lot of the work until he got injured. And then they he was out for a while. And then they kind of crumbled. 
and they never really caught their footing again. Yeah, so I'd say that for their moves for the next year, I think they should improve their offensive line, I would say through free agency, and then improve their defense through the draft. Yeah, I would have to agree. Yeah. I would say so. I think defense has to be a top priority, especially for what, I mean, not just what Mahomes did, but late in the season against the Titans and against other teams, what what their defense went through. I mean, it seems a bit front-heavy with those good uh, defensive linemen. I think they need to improve the back end uh, and with the corners, safeties, uh, linebackers as well. I think that's yeah. what they need to address. I would agree. So moving on from the NFL, I want to bring up some college basketball updates. So, we're going to do some score recaps, and then we're going to do a little bit of power rankings, talk about that kind of stuff. So, Saturday, uh, February 15th, Penn State came out on top against Northwestern. Florida State came out on top of Syracuse. Kansas beat Oklahoma. Ohio State beat Purdue. Dayton beat um, University of Massachusetts. Um, Mississippi lost to Kentucky. Georgetown beat Butler. Duke beat Notre Dame, and Baylor beat West Virginia. I really feel like there's some surprising teams this year. Like, in the power rankings, Penn State is ranked 8th. That's a surprise to me. They were not in the huge picture last year. No, they weren't. I mean, but you could see the talent. They won the NIT, and they're just continuing to grow. Lamar Stevens, he's a senior, but that leadership, I mean, he's an amazing player. They're 20-5. They're having yeah. a pretty good season. They're steadying out more than they did last year. And with March Madness coming up, it's going to be interesting to see how they do. I'd say their main priority should be to win the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, I think it, that'd be a huge step that for would them. Be a big them and Maryland it, down it, the stretch. Exactly. Maryland's another tough yep. team in there. And Maryland is only one place above them in power rankings. They're seventh at 21-4. and four. So I think it'll be a very close foot race between those two guys. Now... now no. Right, now, do you no, see no, Penn State okay. being a Final Four team? I don't. Nine, I don't. I don't see them being a Final Four team because, not because they don't have the skill, but I feel like those upper-ranked teams who have been in the Final Four and been in the finals even who have been out in the Elite Eight know yeah. what they're doing and know what they have to do to be in those places. Penn State doesn't have that knowledge or strategy yet. Yeah, you're right. I mean, experience does come into play when you're in the tournament, obviously. But again, this year in college basketball, there hasn't really been any solid number one no, teams. There's no standout. Baylor team. recently Baylor is has been better. Twenty three and one. Yeah, but then you had at the beginning of the season, nobody wanted to be number one. No, nope. you got it number one, Duke. and they lost. It was yeah, it was a North Carolina. It was a bunch of these teams in so the mix. And I just, I just really feel like the tournament's open this year. Yeah. Who, do, who do you guys? Who do no you guys think? Like, like you said, there's no standout team for number one, number two. Like these rankings keep hopping back and forth. Now, I was going to ask, who do you guys think has the best chance to oh, go man. through March Madness That's so tough. far? That's a tough decision. What, what are you thinking, Nate? It's tough. Um, I like Baylor. They've played well. We'll see what they're really made of when they play Kansas. This, up, this is their next game against number three, Kansas, a good team, obviously with a lot of tradition in college basketball. Um, Duke's coming back around. They had that nail-biter win over North Carolina in North Carolina. That's always a big matchup, despite North Carolina's poor season yeah so i don't know I, it'll be interesting but going off in north carolina they haven't shown the talent they have had in the years past they have standout players don't get me wrong cole anthony he's a good I was player say, cole anthony, he was injured for he was injured but they don't have standout players this year like it, it's like mainly an all offensive team yeah and you know they just haven't been able to get together 
But I'm sure they'll be able to get the recruiting classes back up and the talent will keep growing. I would presume so as well. Yeah. Uh, the team I'm looking at is is San Diego State. The oh, really? Aztecs are undefeated still. They are. 26, 26 and 0. I know you guys might be thinking, well, they're not in a great conference. I, still, undefeated at this point in the season is very impressive. Uh, I think they're definitely a team to look at. C- Cameron, what what are you thinking? What team are you looking at here to uh, go into March Madness? Feeling confident about? I mean, I'm always confident in Virginia, you know. Yeah, but, yeah Virginia. But, you know, <laughs> having a rough year yeah, this year. Yeah, they have their struggles. But a lot of teams that I'm looking or at least the team I'm looking at is Gonzaga. I was going to yeah, say, Gonzaga are. might be one of those sneaky teams that people are kind of like, okay, they're doing good, they're doing good. But they can make a pot, they can pack a punch. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, Nate, who are you? What's your... Well, as I said, I, I like Baylor. Gonzaga's another good point, Cam. Um, they're consistently among the top five teams in college basketball, for at least for the recent years, and they've always seemed to make it far into the tournament. So, yeah, I, those are the teams I generally think. That concludes this week's episode of the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. You can find future episodes on Spotify and YouTube. Thank you for listening.